0: Awesome! I know you're women and you could just chat for an hour, but you don't want to do that because we have our next session that we are all excited about. And I have the privilege of introducing our guest speaker, Christine Kane, to you right now. And I know that many of you are very familiar with her and her ministry. But I also know there are some here today who are not. So I just want to fill you in a little bit and let you know that Christine and her husband Nick together really have a very multifaceted ministry. They have been serving local churches around the globe for about 30 years. They have founded Equip and Empower Ministries and propel women, which really serve to mobilize people to walk in their God-given purpose. They've planted Zoe churches in Europe. They have founded the A21 campaign, which is an amazing anti-human trafficking organization. Yeah, awesome. And you're gonna be hearing more about that later before we conclude today as well. Christine's written all kinds of best-selling books, which are out at a resource table. She's one of the most powerful communicators I have ever heard, so you're in for a treat. But I have to tell you that, personally, I have had the privilege of knowing Christine for, I would say, about 25 years. Yeah. And whether it's been from up close or from afar... Some things that I have seen and admire so much are her dedication to Jesus, her value of the power of the Holy Spirit working in her life, and her passion for people, especially the lost and hurting. So ladies, you are in for a great treat. Can you stand to your feet and give a huge She Unites welcome to Christy K?
1: Awesome. Thanks, man. Thank you. How are you doing? Hang on a minute so you can sit down. Turn to the chick next to you and say, you're the hottest looking chick I've seen all day. All right, right. Wait a minute. Now turn to your second choice and say, you're actually better looking than the chick next to you. I was lying. <laughs> you can be seated. I, I love Pastor Anne. I'm like, I'm going to take her on the road with me to introduce me everywhere. <laughs> like literally I just said to pastor I can't wait to hear myself speak after that introduction (laughs) that was like unbelievable I am here with the okay quick take your pictures now and then phones away (laughs) because I am here with the. I'm smiling I'm smiling I'm here with the single most ravishing piece of masculine flesh on planet earth 27 years honey you have to stand up now so here is Nick We've been married for 27 years. I'm figuring like if you could do anything for 27 minutes these days, um, that's pretty awesome. And we have, I don't know if we sent photos, I have no idea what my team sent, um, but we have two daughters. Before I put this picture up, I'm, I'm telling you in advance that I'm, they don't look like this anymore, but because they refuse to take family photos, I told them for the term of their natural life, I will be putting this photo up forever. <laughs> until they agree to do family photos. So here we have um, Catherine Bobby, and Sophia Joyce, and I think somewhere they'll come up, but there they are. So Catherine is 21, and um, she... Well, she's going to be 21 in just a few weeks. We're going to fly over to London to celebrate with her. She's studying um, at Pepperdine in Malibu, so you can pray for her because she's suffering for Jesus. Um, You know, it's... (laughs) here I am, send me, Lord, to Malibu. I'm like, right. <laughs> feel it is the will of God in Christ Jesus for us all to go to Malibu. But So she's studying there, but they do second year abroad, and um, so she's chosen... London and Pepperdine has a campus in South Kensington so the kid does not even know she's alive like she calls me from South Kensington looking at Hyde Park and she's like mummy I just want to live here forever I'm like you do not even know you're living get on a tube go to East London and then go that's about where you'll be able to afford to live if you live there on your own but (laughs) you do you and so (laughs) she's but she's the delight of my life and then um, my second born Uh, Sophia Joyce, who's actually got short red hair, uh, today, (laughs) today, (laughs) and she's my quirky one, both fun, they, you know, if I had two personalities, I've got about 100, but the two that I have dominant ones, each has one of them, and so, um, they are fine, my husband is number 14 of 15 full-term pregnancies, I know, I'm just letting the front row know that, and, um, (laughs) his His mother had fifteen full pre- full- term pregnancies in seventeen years. They just crossed their legs everybody just crossed their- <laughs> <laughs> <You're-> <laughs> I already love you girls there was there was no television in that part of australia none and so my mother in-law did not even think you were a chick until you like popped out ten so I would take Catherine, I would say, this is Catherine Bobby, and she is my alpha, and this is Sophia Joyce, and this is the omega, and this is the beginning and the end (laughs) of my childbearing years. This is it. You all are like, popped out a kid at 40, and um, I'm like, I deserve a purple heart for that, so we are done. We are done, and the, the delight of my... Life and I thank God um, for them, and it just gets better and better. I'm looking at a little newborn, seven weeks old, in the front row, and I'm like, "Hang in there, just 21 years to go." <laughs> and, they, they, and they become 21. <laughs> I love Anne with all my heart, and I really uh, mean that. I think I think I met Anne, and we've got Pastor Janet Connolly's over here in the second row, who I love with a passion too. I met Anne um, at Cottonwood. And I think it was 1998. I went to the Reeves's, um, out there. It was my first ministry trip to America. That's how old we are. It was 1998. And, um, I love, I will forever love these guys because I was like just a very vagabond youth worker, probably extremely heretical. And they all had me in their churches and loved me at that time. And, um, And look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. A quarter of a century later, um, I love God, because just stick with him, because he is faithful. Life sometimes sucks, but Jesus is faithful, I'm telling you. He is so faithful. He is so faithful. And so Anne has like, looking pretty hot, is all I can say. It's like, I'm sorry for all the men that are in the room, but you came at your own peril. This is a chick's conference. For anyone that's really nervous and wants me on my good behavior, come tomorrow morning. At church, I'm good. Very left half of the brain, five points, all in sequential order. I don't go off point and we look at the text, so it's okay. So today, though, it's the chicks, and the chicks are out. We haven't met together for a while. We needed some chick power in the house. So y'all need to come. I'm so glad you're here, and if this is your church, or if you go to another church, please go to your church tomorrow morning, but if you're looking to come... Come here because tomorrow morning's message is going to be better than this. So you don't want to miss being in the house of God. We're going to dive right into the scripture because I'm watching the clock count down, and so um, I don't want you all to miss your important afternoon stuff. But I believe the Holy Spirit. He already started speaking to us this morning and went over her message um, with me. And I thought, you know, I could just get in the car and go home after what she preached because I think, um, you know, you're just going to hear the sentiment of what the Holy Spirit's saying echo um, again just in a different way and I love that I love that when the Holy Spirit just confirms what it is that he wants to say uh, to his daughters we're going to look at Luke 17 I want you to go with me to the gospel of Luke Luke 17 the one thing that's changed in the 25 years I've known Anne is I have to wear glasses to read the Bible (laughs) just the parts that I haven't memorized because I've memorized most of it but just for this part Luke 17, verse 20, the scripture says, being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come. He answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming with something observable. No one will say, see here or there, for you will see the kingdom of, for you see the kingdom of God is in your midst. Then he told the disciples, the days are coming when you will long to see one of the days of the son of man, but you won't see it. They will say to you, see there or see here, don't follow or run after them. For as the lightning flashes from horizon to horizon and lights up the sky, so the Son of Man will be in his day. But first, everyone say, but first. first. You'll sound so American. But first. (laughs) But first. (laughs) So cute. (laughs) So cute. Everyone say, but first. That's it. Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. Just as, But first, it is necessary that he suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days of the Son of Man. People went on eating, drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage until the day Noah boarded the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. It will be the same as it was in the days of Lot. People went on eating, drinking, buying, selling, planting, building. But on the day Lot left Sodom. Fire and sulfur rained from heaven and destroyed them all. Are you so glad you came today? You're like, this is just going to get better, man. We've got like Noah and a flood, and then we've got fire and sulfur and Sodom and Gomorrah. And you're like, where is she going on a Saturday morning with this? It will be like that on the day that the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, a man on the housetop whose belongings are in the house must not come down to get them. Likewise, the man who is in the field must not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever tries to make his life secure will lose it, and whoever loses his life will preserve it. I tell you, on that night, two will be in one bed. One will be taken, and the other will be left. And I tell Nick that I am not going to be left behind. He can do what he wants. It ain't gonna be me, that's all I'm saying. Two women will be grinded and grained together. One will be taken and the other left. Where, well, Lord, they asked him, he said to them, where the corpse is, there also the vultures will be gathered. This is the word of the Lord. And you're like, could you not have picked another word of the Lord? That would have been really nice. So here, obviously, Jesus is having a discussion about the end times. And you would think after the last seven years, and particularly the last three years, you're like, man, no wonder she's pulled out this because the world has been cray-cray. I mean, I know Temecula's been normal, but the rest of the planet, (laughs) the rest of the planet, in case you're wondering, Nick and I went to 21 countries last year, the whole world is cray-cray. It's just gone to, it's always been cray-cray, but has anyone noticed in the last three years, it's gone to new levels of cray. I mean, just new levels that we never even thought were possible. And I mean, I I remember there was times, especially like in 2020, we're in a pandemic. Remember when it was like this season, it was like a pandemic. And then there was like, you know, a whole kind of plague of locusts. I thought we're in the book of Exodus. I was like, oh my gosh, there is like storms and, you know, there's earthquakes and there's famines and there's locusts. And I'm like, okay, okay, this is like unbelievable what is happening everywhere. So in the midst of this eschatological discourse, Jesus is talking about the end times and he's talking about the two natures of the kingdom of God. He's saying, look, the kingdom of God, it's been revealed. Jesus has come, God incarnate, the kingdom of God is here amongst us, but he's also coming again. We're living in the tension between the already Jesus has come and the not yet. Jesus is coming again to make all things new and I'm so glad he is because when he comes again there will be no more sickness, no more disease, no more crime, no more violence, no more loss, no more hurting. He is coming again to make all things new. In the interim, you and I are living between the already and the not yet. And so he's talking about all of this and man, I mean, it's intense He's got Sodom and Gomorrah and he's talking about Noah and he's talking about the flood and just that one day that sky is going to light up. I mean, he says lightning's going to come. It's going to light up. You will not have to be wondering when Jesus comes back and people will be like, was that him? (laughs) It's not that anybody's going to be left wondering. You know, when I got saved in Australia in the late 80s, I don't know if it was the same in America there were all these people, because in every generation, every, you know, few years, people get bored, so they've got to make up new charts. But it was all about the end times. And it was so interesting. We had these guys, that would go around Australia, and they'd put up the charts. I mean, they had picked the Antichrist. Pity, it's wrong, because anyway, but here we still are. And so they had picked who the Antichrist was, and all the signs of the... T- Did you have that in America? Like, all of these signs, and like, I mean, it was Awesome like I mean I would just watch it it was fascinating it scared the hell out of you anyway I'll tell you that much like you were like I better get saved because whatever he's talking about I don't want that that's all I knew I just never got it I never understood it And anytime there's any cray-cray happening on the earth, they pull them out. Best-selling books even at the moment in the whole Christian world are all the books about the end times. doesn't matter that the 500 books written before that were all wrong, but anyway. Here is my theory. The whole deal is, I don't get why people spend all their time thinking about, listen, I'm about to save you 10 hours a week going down your rabbit trails on FaceTime. Get ready. You're going to thank me because now you can go and binge watch that series on Netflix because you're not going to be lost anymore down the rabbit trail of Facebook. This is my whole theory on the end time. This is it. I haven't got a clue. <laughs> this is it. I just saved you hours. And I, I do believe it was Jesus that said, no one knows. So you know all those rabbit trails you're getting lost down? They're lying to you. Lying. They've got it all worked out. Honestly, don't waste your time. i am binge watch something good on Netflix. Or read your Bible. That's a novelty. <laughs> but it's like nobody knows the hour or the day. So that's all you need to know. You live like it's going to happen tomorrow and you plan like it's not going to happen for generations. Every Christian should be living like that every day of their life. This this is not rocket science. This is not rocket science. And so Jesus is going on and on. So this is what I'm here to tell you. I haven't got a clue what he's talking about, okay? We just read all of that. You're like, okay, so why did you pick that? Why did you pick that text? Because right in the midst of this discourse about the end times, Jesus throws in three random words. I'm like, you know, there's not a lot of real estate in the Bible given to the actual words of Jesus, Like in your Bible, they might be in red. I don't know that he spoke in red, but they're in the Bible in red. Like anyway, (laughs) that's where they are. There's not that much real estate. So you really want to focus on what he said because there's not that many words that he said. So right there in Luke 17, 32, it appears while he's talking about all of this end time stuff, he throws in three random words and it's just like, remember Lot's wife. You're like, okay, okay. Now, if I was Eve, I would be a bit ticked off. I'm like, what do you mean, remember Lot's wife? I was first. I came out of a rib. I've been, like, blamed for all of the problems of humanity since time began. (laughs) 170 women are alluded to in some way, shape, or form in Scripture. 170, and yet there is only one woman in the Gospels Jesus ever tells us to remember. Only one. I've done a lot of chicks conferences over the last three and a half decades. I've spoken on so many women on the Bible, but I'm like, whew, Lot's wife? Can't recollect ever hearing a sermon on her. And yet she is the only one woman In the very, very limited real estate given to the actual words of Jesus, in the midst of a conversation about the end times, Jesus drops in, remember Lot's wife? One woman out of 170 is the only woman he ever tells us to remember. I wonder with all the cray-cray happening on the planet right now, whether this would be a really good time for us to take seriously the words of Jesus and remember the one woman that he told us to remember, Lot's wife. I wonder. So it starts with Lot's wife and... Eve's like, you know, that's not fair. I mean, I I don't know, maybe, imagine Sarah. She'd be like, why Lot's wife? I popped out a kid at 90 with no epidural. (laughs) Like, no epidural, they didn't even invent Viagra yet, and Abe was... (laughs) I got pastors sitting on the front row, I'm like, I won't do any of this tomorrow, don't worry, so it's okay. (laughs) You can bring your husbands tomorrow, it's okay. (laughs) I just think like Miriam, like she was the first worship leader chick in the whole Bible. She kind of comes, out. this is what always cracks me up about Miriam. I'd want to be, I mean, she was before Darlene Check. there was Miriam. And so she was like coming out of slavery. Who would think as you're coming out of Egypt, as the Red Sea's parting, like, I don't know at what minute did she go, hang on a minute, Moses, I've got to get a tambourine. We're going to have a dance party on the other side. I'm like, who? Who stops to pick up a tambourine? But Miriam did. Deborah? Why wouldn't Jesus say, remember Deborah? Be I mean, like, you know, by Deborah Rose, the first female judge in all of Israel. Now, we know God only used her because he couldn't use men at that point. You know, no one stepped up to the plate. <laughs> by default, poor chick, she had to do it because there was no good man to do the job. But anyway, that's another sermon <laughs> at another time. I mean, it could be a number. I mean, we could go through any of the 170. I mean, at the very least, his Mother. I'd be like, what do you mean, remember Lot's wife? I popped you out in manure, in a inn, like seriously. (laughs) Seems odd, doesn't it? A woman who just appears on the pages of scripture quickly enough to disappear. She's, we don't even know her name. I mean, how politically incorrect in in like 2023, what's your name? Lot's wife, that ain't gonna fly. (laughs) Ain't gonna fly in this world. (laughs) We don't even know her name. And yet Jesus, while well, everything is burning down, while well, life as we know it was burning down, he's talking about Sodom and Gomorrah. He's talking about the flood. Everything that we knew is burning down. One day the whole thing, well, he says, I want you in the midst of a world that is burning down as you once know it to remember Lot's wife, which of course then sent me on a journey. What do you mean, remember Lot's wife? So I go to scripture to go, what is it that we know? And really, all we know about this woman, we see in Genesis 19, which is a deeply disturbing chapter of scripture on so many levels, on so many levels. But Sodom and Gomorrah, you might remember when Abram and Lot separated, Lot set up camp right there on the edge of Sodom and Gomorrah. And what is interesting I don't know, did he meet his wife out there and bring her in, or did he meet her in there? I'm not sure. Scripture doesn't tell us. So we don't really know anything about her, but we know that he set up camp, and let's look at a couple of scriptures early on. It says in Genesis 13, Abram settled in the land of Canaan, while Lot settled among the cities of the valley, and moved his tent as far as Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked, great sinners, against the Lord. And so, of course, even in, you know, secular vernacular, when we use the word Sodom and Gomorrah, mostly our minds instantly jump, even if it's written in, in newspaper articles, to, to kind of sexual immorality and perversion. And certainly when we look at our world, we just go, yeah, the world's lost its mind. It's absolutely lost its mind. But I do want you to know that that was not the only thing that was wrong with Sodom and Gomorrah. That was not the only reason. When you think, why did God burn that thing to the ground? Why did it all end? And and the truth of the whole picture is found in Ezekiel 16, 49 to 50. It says, uh, sorry, chapter 16, verses 49 to 50. Now, this was the iniquity of your sister Sodom. I want you to see what this is. She and her daughters had pride, plenty of food, and comfortable security but didn't support the poor and the needy. They were haughty and did detestable acts before me. So I removed them when I saw this. When you look at the shaking that's been happening on the earth in the last few years, and of course in the book of Hebrews, it says only those things that can be shaken will be shaken so that those things that cannot be shaken shall remain. And there has been a shaking both in the house of God and of course in the world around us. And a lot of us have lost our minds and we're like, what's going on with the world around us? And there's so much immorality and so much iniquity and so many things have shifted and all that is entirely true. But that's not the only reason God's about done. It says she was pride. She was full of pride and arrogant and haughty and didn't care about the poor and the needy. And see, When you have a church that is full of pride, all into just comfortable security, it's just about us for and no more and has an elitist, pharisaical attitude, and doesn't care about the least of these, as well as the sexual immorality and iniquity and so many things that we've seen come out, God says, you know what? I think I'm about done with things being done that way. I, I think that, that that's, that's enough. So the Lord was like done and said, okay, all of these things have led to, I'm finished with the way that it was. And this whole thing, the way it was, is about to burn to the ground. And so it goes on in 19 verse 17. Basically, two angels came to the Lord and said, but I'm going to save Lot and his wife and their two daughters. I'm going to save them. So he literally sends an angel to take them out of what was burning down into the future that he had for them. Because he still had a purpose for them. He still had a promise for them. He still had provision for them in the future. And they were like literally touched by an angel. An angel came and took them by the hand as everything that they once knew was burning down. He was taking them out into the future that God still had for them. And it says in verse 17, and as they brought them out, one said, one of the angels of the Lord said, escape for your life. Do not look back or stop anywhere in the valley. Escape to the hills, lest you be swept away. While everything is burning down, the angel of the Lord says, hey, I've just got one thing for you. Do not look back. Do not look back to what was. Do not look back to how it was done. Do not look back in any way, but look forward to where I'm taking you. And this is the only thing. Remember, Jesus gave three solid words in the Gospel of Luke to remind us while everything as we once knew was burning down, he said, I need you to remember Lot's wife. So we go back to the Old Testament to say, what is it that I need to remember about this woman? And this is the only thing we know about this woman in verse 26. But Lot's wife behind him looked back and became a pillar of salt. This is the only thing we know that warrants enough attention that in the New Testament of all the 170 women in in the Bible, Jesus says, this is the one I want you to remember. I need you to remember Lot's wife. And the one thing that she did was she looked back when I told her not to look back back. She prioritized her past over her future. She longed for what was more than what God had for her. She was looking back and it wouldn't surprise me that she'd be looking back. I mean, her, her family, the rest of her family with her friends, her whole life. I mean, I don't know. Did she renovate a kitchen? I don't know. <laughs> but the scripture there talks about she looked back with longing. A longing and a lingering. And I wonder after the last few years, how many of us are longing for what was? This lingering of, of what may have been, longing for what was more than what God has. Longing for the way things were more than what it is that God has in the future. And she was calcified. She stopped and she got stuck in a place she was only meant to be passing through. And I would say so many people right now are stuck in places where God had us to only be passing through, calcified. And it's interesting to me that she became a pillar of salt. You and I in the New Testament are called the salt of the world. And the devil would love us to get calcified and stuck back here so we can't salt the world in the future. We were never meant to be stuck here. We are meant to be salting a lost and a broken and a dark world in the future. But she got stuck And her attachment to the past outweighed her commitment to the future. Now, I want to remind you, Scripture tells us that all the promises of God are in Christ Jesus. Yes and amen. All the promises of God are not in the way we like things in the past. The people that left us, the people that betrayed us, the people that walked out, the economy, the political system, the social system, the morality of our society. That is not where all of the promises of God ever were. They always were in Jesus. They always will be in Jesus. And Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And He will never leave us and He will never forsake us. And all the promises of God are still in 2023 in Christ Jesus. Yes and amen, no matter what is happening on the earth. Have Christians lost their mind? Man, oh man, it's amazing to me. Looking back, longing for what was. When Jesus is our tell us. it's where we're going. It's always been about where we're going, not where we've been. And we're longing, longing. And the fact of the matter is that it's time to move on. Don't look back is the whole point of what I'm talking about. You know, I I said Nick and I last year went to 21 countries and all through the last three years, I've still been traveling and going to places. I cannot tell you the amount of times people have said to me, oh, Chris, Chris, you know, I didn't sign up for this. I'm like, what did you sign up for? (laughs) Help me to understand. Last I checked, Jesus died for me. I didn't die for him. Last I checked, I had decided to follow Jesus, not subject to a pandemic, not subject to a political system, not subject to the economy. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. The cross is before me and the world is behind me. I've decided to follow Jesus. People are like, man, I, I, it's just so hard. I'm like, what Bible are you reading? <laughs> Jesus said, in this world you will. No, you might. He says, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Man, some of us need to pick up the but be of good cheer (laughs) bit. Peter, do not be surprised when this fiery trial comes upon you. And everyone's like, oh, no, I'm so surprised. I'm like, read your Bible. (laughs) I mean, James is like, consider it pure joy. I'm like, you consider it joy. (laughs) I'm not quite there with you, James, yet. But, you know. (laughs) What is it that we thought this was going to be? I'm not even sure. Lost our minds because we expected Jesus to be a sugar daddy. (laughs) Penny in the slot, this is what I want from you. Let me tell you how I want my Christianity to be. And then, Benedict, got a little bit, a little bit hard, but I'm like, honey. Might have been a bit of a tribulation. This ain't the great tribulation. What are you going to do if this is all it took? <laughs> I've got staff that we had moved from Ukraine to Poland because bombs are falling on their homes. Wives that haven't seen their husbands for a year. Children that haven't seen their fathers. I'm like, you got your nose out of joint because you couldn't get into your nail artist? Really? Please don't confuse a minor inconvenience with persecution. Seriously. It is amazing to me. See, what has happened over the last few years is it's been a great revealer, that's all. That's what pressure does. I mean, it's not that God's in heaven falling off his throne going, I had no idea. (laughs) Like, wow, I'm just in shock. Bartholomew, just give me some CPR. No, no. He's like said, let me just show you where you're really at. Let me show you what you really believe to be true about me. <laughs> let me show you what you really believe about hope, because Scripture tells us in Hebrews six nineteen that Jesus is this hope we have, as an anchor for our soul, both firm and secure. Well, the issue is that a lot of us, our hope, what has been revealed is our misplaced hope. Because we thought our hope was in a political system or our hope was in an economic system or our hope was in a moral system or our hope was in that job or our hope was in that marriage or our hope was in those children or our hope was in that partner. And because they left, we thought God left. And yet Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. His provision is still in Jesus. The promise is still in Jesus. The purpose is still in Jesus. But we just had some misplaced hopes. Basically it's our idols that have been really re- re- revealed in the last few years. That's all. Just our idols. No biggie. If you don't read your bible, no biggie. But that's what's happened. You know, do you remember the two guys, the two disciples on the road to Emmaus? They were going back to Emmaus. Remember Jesus was crucified and buried and they didn't know that he had risen. So they were going back to Emmaus, the scripture says, because when Jesus disappoints you and you want to deconstruct and leave, you often go back to where you came from. It's so interesting. You go back to the very things he set you free from. And so we'll go back to Emmaus. So they're going back and Jesus himself, the resurrected Savior, God incarnate, is walking with them and they don't recognize him because they are so stuck in their disappointment, they're so stuck in their disillusionment, they do not realize that in many of us the last few years Jesus has been with us because he promises to never leave us and never forsake us and he's been walking with us and we are no different to those disciples on the road to the Emmaus that are saying to our very saviour, oh we had hoped he was the one we had hoped and Jesus is like walking with him we had hoped that person was going to be the answer We've tried to get from people and systems what we could only get from God. And because people and systems let us down, we thought God let us down. He's like, how about we knock those idols out of the way so that Jesus can be enthroned again as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords in our life. We had hoped, and so many of us are stuck in this moment, because we'd hoped things would be easier than they are. We had hoped that that business would succeed, that that marriage would succeed, that that person would have been healed and not died, that those kids would have come back from the purposes of, into the purposes of God by now. We'd hoped that that dream would come true. We'd hoped. And then we have been languishing and stuck and calcified because what we had hoped did not come to pass And we've missed Jesus in the midst of it all. And he would say to us today, remember Lot's wife. Because I sent an angel to pull her out and take her into the future. But she got stuck looking back at what was instead of moving forward on what was going to be. And the great tragedy, and I won't unpack it all right now. But for those of you that know your Bible, you keep reading this story. And it gets really messy. What happens because the mother got stuck? What happened to her daughters with their father? Which affected the generations. And we are at a pivotal moment in history on the earth. This is not a time for the mothers, spiritual mothers, women I'm talking about, not biological children, I'm talking about the women in the house. This is not a time to get stuck in offence, or get stuck in bitterness or get stuck in languishing or get stuck in lament or get stuck in hurt because we've got a generation at stake and if we don't move into the future and be some mama bears for a generation, they are going to lose their mind and mess things up. We need to move on. We must move on. We must stop looking back. Look at what happened to Lot's wife's daughters because their mother wasn't there. This is not a moment for us to abdicate our authority in Christ on this earth, girls. You've got to do what you've got to do to get unstuck and to move into the future that God has. You know, it's so interesting to me when, um, when this whole pandemic thing happened, I had um, our team, and, you know, we've got 19 officers at A21 in, in 15 countries around the world, and so we had people from everywhere at various stages of lockdown. Everyone was at lo- I mean, and some of these countries were like real lockdown. They were like, you know, you, you could not leave the house for more than one hour a week, and you were, one person from the household, you were given that hour. It was allocated to you to go to the supermarket with police escorts and to come back. And we have team members in Bulgaria with, you know, four children under four living in two-bedroom apartments, not allowed to leave. No balconies, no nothing. I mean, so I've got everyone on the Zoom call. And, um, you know, we've called it for the last couple of years, the upper Zoom room. And so (laughs) I said, oh, no, we're having a Holy Ghost revival in the Zoom room. That's what we're doing. This is it. This is Book of Acts 2.0. And so we were like, (laughs) upper Zoom room. And all our officers, so 19 officers, 15 countries, and, you know, I remember, this is the first week when it all hit. Nobody even knew what was going on. And I said to all the team, you know, like, here we are. To a degree, we are all right now in, in lockdown. We're all kind of prisoners now. Of course, except for the great nation of Texas and Florida, the rest of the planet...
0: <laughs>
1: the rest of the planet was having a pandemic. Just, if you're visiting from those nations, I want you to know... All the other 200 on the earth were having it. And so we were in this lockdown. And I said to them, I said, we're all prisoners of sorts, metaphorically speaking right now. And um, I said, here's the deal. Of course, I'm, I'm very sad about the circumstances that have brought this to be. Of course I am. I said, but I'm not sad that we are all in this place. And all my staff is looking at us, hundreds of people from around the world, And um, they're looking at me and I said, here's the deal. I said, I'm 56 years old. And I said, every day I wake up and I'm consumed mostly by a scripture that for me is the saddest scripture in the Bible. It's in Judges chapter two, verse 10. And it says, when Joshua and his generation died, another generation arose that did not know the Lord nor the works that he had done for Israel. And it's always, from the outset of my ministry, when, when I was running a youth organization in Australia in the 1990s, the very first sermon I preached was out of that. Because I remember saying back then, and this is now 35 years ago, I said, it really doesn't matter how big my ministry is or what I do. Ultimately, if another generation arises that doesn't know God, then I failed no matter how many offices I build around the world or what I do, it's not about that. It's about are we prepared to do what it takes to pass the baton of faith from one generation to the next generation? That's all that really matters. And I said to them, you are all about to discover how much you've actually been riding in the slipstream of Nick and my faith. And you think it's your faith because you've never known anything but a very big successful ministry. And you're about to find out that it's not based on Instagram filters or followers. I said, you're deluded. You think that's what matters and you spend a whole lot of time working it. But Nick and I, thank God we got saved before there was an internet. We got saved before there was social media. So we don't need to depend on that for God's provision because we know what the prayer closet is. We know how to lay a hold of God. We know how to believe God. We know how to hang on to the Word of God for all it's worth. I'm not here because I've got a well-curated Instagram account. I'm here because God marked me. It wasn't marketing that brought me here. It was being marked by the Holy Ghost and understanding that all the promises are still in Christ Jesus, yes and amen. And sometimes you got to get in a prayer closet and stir up that gift on the inside inside of you and you got to call down heaven to earth and I said the issue is with your generation you can't tell the difference between gift and anointing and a gift will fill a room and attract followers but people will come in bound and leave bound but an anointing it could break yokes and chains and bondages and shackles that keep people bound up and I said, so here we are. And I went one by one. Are we going to have an office in this country? Are we going to have an office? I said, it's not even up to me. It's up to you. I said, I'm so excited. Because you're going to learn how to lay a hold of God. This is the greatest faith lesson I can teach you. I so said, Nick and I, we're not flinching. Because the same God that brought us here will take us there. It, it, I'm not, we did, I could tell you that before God, we didn't flinch. Didn't flinch. And I said, this is what I want you to do. And I read out of Zechariah chapter 9, verse 12. I said, this will be our scripture. They, they were looking at me like, bug-eyed. And it says, return to your stronghold, you prisoners of hope. And I will restore to you double. And they, they're like, look, and I said, listen, the children of Israel were in bondage in Babylon, 70 years. Prisoners, physically prisoners in Babylonian captivity. They came back to Jerusalem and they had hoped that the temple would still be flourishing. They'd hoped that Jerusalem would be thriving, but the temple was decimated. The city walls had all fallen down and they were surrounded by enemies because we'd hoped we'd go back to normal. But there's no normal. It doesn't exist anymore. And so the prophet said to them, you were once physical captives in Babylon, now you have to choose to be prisoners of hope. Now, of course, in the New Testament, Jesus, hope has a name, hope is a person. Hope's not mere optimism. Hope's not toxic positivity. Hope has a name. Jesus is this hope we have as an act, as an anchor for our soul. It's Jesus. So I said, we are all choosing to step into the person of Jesus because he's our hope. An open world was not my hope. A certain political system was not my hope. The economy at a certain place or the stock market at a certain place was not my hope. I said, Jesus is the one that brought us here. Jesus is the one that will take us. And when Jesus is done, we're done. Like, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? We're going to die. That's not bad. I mean, it's going to happen. Just live long enough. It'll happen to you too. It's happened to everyone. <laughs> When Christians were losing, well, I might die. I'm like, you will. Just live long enough. You will die. Death is the ultimate statistic. One out of one will die. I bet you're encouraged. The issue is not about whether we're going to die or not. The issue is, are you going to live the one and only life that God has called you to live on this earth? Are you going to fulfill your God-given purpose? Are you going to fulfill your God-given destiny? That is the issue. That's the issue. We stand before him one day and he'll say, well done, good and faithful servant, or what on earth? have you done? (laughs) You wicked and lazy servant, your choice. You get to choose. And so I said, will we have a ministry? Because I'll tell you what won't stop during a global pandemic is trafficking. I'll tell you, we've never been busier ever than these last three years, especially when a war's happening because the most vulnerable are the refugees coming out, especially in a country where the men can't leave because of The war, and who do you think's waiting for the women and children if we're not waiting for them? Traffickers, we've never, ever had more work than we have currently in Poland and on the Ukraine border. And our same staff that were running offices in Ukraine who are themselves refugees are on the border working with the UN, identifying potential victims of trafficking and and, and relocating families into homes. But you know, in the midst of it all, I said, You get to choose. We could do this with hope. We could get through a pandemic with Jesus. We could get through a war with Jesus. So I've got to really believe this stuff when I'm looking into the eyes of children and telling them, You might not see your dad, but Jesus is worthy. Jesus is worthy. Nick's going to go next week. We've been taking food into the Ukraine. He's going to go to two towns where there's active bombs falling right now. And the fact of the matter is, like you get to, to choose who's your hope and where does your hope do you really believe this stuff or not? And so the fact is that I said, we're gonna be prisoners of hope. And I said, you're gonna see faith in action. I said, Oh, you've heard thousands of Chris Kane sermons on faith, but you're about to live it. This is the best gift I can give you. And I said, I want you to go, and of course, because they're millennials, they didn't know the interpretation of this tongue that I was about to say to them. I said, I want you to go and get a pen and paper. They didn't know what that was. So <laughs> I had to show them, this is a pen, <laughs> this is a paper. And I said, I want you to write down the word double, double. Because the prophet said, and I'll restore to you double. I said, you're going to see how Nick and Chris operate in faith. And I've watched this in the last three decades with my spiritual mother, Joyce Meyer. And if anyone's kept me on track other than Jesus, it's Mama Joyce. I think I'm more scared of her than Jesus. He's got more mercy. (laughs) Just so you know. But it's like, oh, no, no, no. In in your Instagram filtered world, marketing world, building brand world, (laughs) you can really think that's where the power is. I promise you, no one ever got saved from a filter on an Instagram post. I, I promise you. But man, when you know God and you know faith, You could be in a lockdown and you can go into a zone where you're a prisoner of hope. You could be like Paul was when he was chained in a prison cell, singing praise and worship to God, waiting for signs and wonders and miracles in a prison cell, watching people get saved, watching shackles come out. Oh no, you can have signs, wonders and miracles wherever you are if you stop complaining and start getting into the word and start believing God and start activating your hope and start guarding your mouth and start doing that. So we said, I said, I want you to write down the word double and I went one by one. I said, oh, I believe at the end of all of this, however it happens, that we are going to see, where it's literally impossible in the natural, we're going to see double the amount of victims rescued. We are going to see double the amount of traffickers go to jail. We are going to see double the amount of partners. We are going to see double the amount of people. And they're all looking at me like I had been smoking crack cocaine, like seriously. (laughs) And I said, I want you to go and I want you to take that double and I want you to stick it in that scripture where you're going to be most often during this pandemic. So put it on your refrigerator because you'll be worshiping at the door of your refrigerator most often. And I said, I want you to declare this scripture every single day. And I said, I want you, I said, I'm going to teach you the power of confession. I'm going to teach you the power of believing in God, not believing in faith, but believing in the God of faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. And through faith, we can see the purposes and promises of God come to pass in our life. And so I said, I want you to do, well, look, just to cut it short, because it's got red on the back and I want them to invite me back. That means I have to stop. So here is the deal. The deal is that I'm standing here by God's grace in January, 2023. And we have never, ever, ever, had more survivors in our care at A21 in the history of A21. We have never seen more traffickers go to jail. We have never had more partners. We have never reached more people. Nick flew in last night at 11 o'clock being with the governor of Texas as we launch our our Can You See Me campaign through all of Texas, our education programs, through the 50 states of America, right down around the world, opening centers in Cambodia, in Thailand, working on the border of the Ukraine, seeing people rescued, seeing people restored. Why? Because my hope wasn't in a system of this world. My hope always was, always will be in Jesus Christ. And if we are going to move forward, we remember lots more. We stop looking back and we press on to lay a hold of all of that for which Christ Jesus laid a hold of us. Paul said, this one thing I do, girls in 2023, this one thing I do, forgetting those things. that lie behind and straining towards those things that are ahead, I press on that we may lay a hold of all of that for which Christ Jesus has laid a hold of us. God is not finished with you yet. If you woke up this morning and there was not a white chalk mark around your body, it means God's got a plan, God's got a purpose, God's got a destiny, God has something for you in the future, it's not over, He's not done, He's not finished it's time to get unstuck it's time to remember Lot's wife remember Lot's wife friend I wonder I wonder if you know this God that I'm talking about today you can be seated I don't, yeah you're all too excited you'll be in the Temecula vineyards is what I think not do you know about him but do you know him And if you don't, right here, right now, just before we wrap up this morning, I want to give you the opportunity to address the spiritual condition of your heart and to put Jesus Christ first in your life. Friend, the only reason I can talk with such certitude about the future is not because I think it's necessarily going to get any better, but I know Jesus is great. And I wonder where your hope is anchored today. Is it in Jesus? And if it's not right here, right now, I want to give you the opportunity to put Jesus Christ first in your life. Friend, you were created by God for a relationship with God. It's Jesus that connects us to God and it's Jesus that connects us to the grace of God. You were not born by accident. You were born on purpose, for a purpose. Only Jesus Christ can forgive us for all of our past. Give us a fresh start today. Not just some fire insurance for when you die one day. But today, you can have a brand new start here on earth. And then, of course, an eternal hope for the future. Maybe a friend invited you to this place this morning. You were not even sure what you were coming to. She lied. She said, let's go. Have a little bit of a vineyard. You thought you were going to the vineyards. And you're like, what is this? It's like a rerun of Jerry Springer. Whoa, what is this? You're not here by accident. You're here in the divine timing, the divine plan, the divine purpose of God. Maybe you once walked with God, but if you're honest today, man, as I've been speaking, you're like, wow, man, I've, I've not just gotten stuck. I, I feel like I went back, man. I've been away from God, so caught up in my disappointment or my hurt or my betrayal or my offense or just my apathy. Or just, man, it was just too hard to follow Jesus in a world that is so antithetical to the things of God. I want you this morning to consider to stop running from Him, to come home to Him. And even as I'm talking, some of you are thinking, Chris, I'd love to come back, but man, you do not know who I was in bed with last night. You don't know what I was snorting last week. You don't know what I posted over the last few years. You don't know who I've betrayed or what I've said. And you're right, I've got no clue what you've been doing. I don't need to know what you've been doing because I know what God did 2,000 years ago. My Bible says if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from (laughs) all unrighteousness. It's time to stop running. Come home to Jesus. I want every head bowed and every eye closed, friend, wherever you are, from the front to the back, from the left to the right. In this moment... I'm not speaking to the woman next to you, I'm speaking to you. And if you say, Chris, I, I need what you're talking about today. I need a fresh start with Jesus Christ, either for the very first time or I've been away from God cold in my heart and I, I need a fresh start with Jesus this morning, then let me pray for you just a, a very simple but powerful prayer. And if you want me to include you in that prayer, would you just raise your hand right now and say, Chris, include me in that prayer. There so many of you, dozens. Okay, this is what we're going to do because there are so many. I want you, everyone to stand up in the room, everyone, the whole room to stand. There are so many dozens of you that raised your hand, and I want to pray with you, um, but I can't come to each of you individually because there's so many of you. So this is what I want you to do in just a second. I want you to step out of your seat and come and stand here so I can pray with you. And if you're sort of in the middle of a row and you're like, that's a bit awkward, what do I say to the person next to you? Say, excuse me. And if they don't move, kick them, okay? Don't worry. <laughs> just kick them and just go, I'm going. So wherever you are, if you raised your hand or even if you know that you should have, but you still haven't, I want you to start coming wherever you are because I want to pray with you and come to Jesus this morning. Come home to Jesus wherever you are. If you brought a friend, you can bring your friend. This is so beautiful, so beautiful. Come, come this morning. Come home to Jesus. Come home to Jesus. Maybe for the first time, I want you to bring your friends. This is so wonderful. This This is what this is all about. I want you to come. People are still coming. This is fantastic. Look at this. You'll keep coming. Keep coming. This is beautiful. I think it's God's favorite word is come. His favorite word. You are not too far gone. I want you to know that nobody is. I'm going to give you just a few more seconds. People are coming. Keep coming down the front. There's no back rows here. This is the kind of traffic jam we want. Salvation altar call. Traffic jams. This is beautiful. This is awesome. You can keep coming. This is beautiful. I'm gonna pray there's some people still coming just before look at this. Just before I I pray with you. This is okay, I do this most days of my life and I, I wish I could get more spiritual with you, but this is the best way I know how to explain it. When I feel that maybe the Lord's done, I get this like clunk. I know that's really deep. You'll find it in the Greek, Hebrew and Aramaic. It means <laughs> clunk and that's when I feel like it's done and when I don't get that clunk it's really bad because it means there's still some people that were supposed to be here and they weren't and then that really wrecks my night's sleep because I'm thinking about not having the clunk so this is what I'm going to do I love this people are coming so the reason I'm pausing is I mean there are so many people here and, but you are not just a face in a crowd but you matter to God out there as well and he'll stop this whole meeting so that you can come forward wherever you are this is beautiful I love this so much. So people are coming. This is what I'm going to do to just put an end to it. I'm going to count to 10. Don't feel weird. I'm, I'm the one doing it, so it's okay. And if you know that you should be standing here, and this is how you know it's you, okay? Because you're there, and I'll explain what's happening. Your heart is thumping, and your head's going, I wish that chick would just shut up. I just wish she would shut up. That, that's how you know it's you, okay? So I'm just going to count to 10, and then I'm going to pray, because there's a lot of gorgeous people here. But you matter to God, and, and people are coming. So I'm just going to count. And if you're going to come, come now. One, two, three, beautiful. Four, five, wonderful. Six, seven, beautiful. Eight, this is beautiful. Nine, look at this. It's beautiful. Ten, come on, give them a hand as they all come down here. This is. It's just wonderful. Y'all are so amazing. I'm so grateful you're here and I want you to know God sees every single one of you you matter to God you matter to God and all of you you're so fantastic come down, come step forward honestly this this is good, I showered come down here we don't want the traffic jam, look at this your man I don't know that it gets any better than seeing people give their lives to Jesus from one side of the auditorium (laughs) to the other I don't know This is so, this right here, people go, miracles don't happen today. There is no greater miracle than this miracle that's happening right right here. I'm going to pray, girls, and this is what I want you to do. I want you to pray out loud after we are going to bow our heads, and everyone's going to pray this in agreement with all of you as you say yes to Jesus today. But let's pray. You're praying to Jesus as you ask him to, and you surrender your life to him. So, church, let's pray this together. Dear Jesus. I'm standing here today because I want to say I'm sorry that I've been living my life my own way and ignoring you. I'm sorry that I've sinned against you. And I ask today that you would forgive me for all of my sins, that you would give me a fresh start today and a hope for the future. I want to be a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ every single day for the rest of my life. Jesus, I receive your forgiveness. I receive your love. I receive your grace. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Can we thank God for people saying yes. Where's Anne? What do you want to do? I'm just going to pause for one second. I've got one more prayer for all of you, so don't think about lunch. But I need you to tell me what's going to happen here.
0: In a moment, we are going to worship God. And you can stay here. You can go back to your seats, however you want to do that. But then, at the, eventually, you will go back to your seats. And then... At the conclusion, we are going to give you some instructions because we want to put a tool in your hand to help you move forward with God. This is yeah. such an amazing, beautiful sight, and this is yeah, yeah, the greatest decision you could ever make, but it's just the start. It's not the end. It is just the beginning, and so we want to give you a tool to help you get started moving forward into that future and that life that God has for you so we'll be doing that at the end and we're going to worship and
1: awesome so that's why I just didn't want you to miss that okay so you're going to get that tool but I want to do one more prayer and we're going to worship and as we after I pray okay this I'll just do order I'm going to pray and then we're going to worship and during worship you can either stay or you can go back to your seats but there are some of you and you're stuck. I don't know what it is, but I tell you, I've come here today to kick the devil in the head, basically, and just say, we're getting unstuck, girls. We're getting unstuck in this place. Some of you, stuck in disappointment. A lot of it is internal. Offense, bitterness, unforgiveness, some kind of hurt, disappointment with God, Some stuck in sin, in a relationship with someone that's not your spouse, just stuck in addiction. I mean, it could be anything. And I believe today God wants to set you free, to get unstuck from where you are and move into 2023, because let me tell you, that's where our God is in 2023 and 2024 and 2025 and 2026 and 2027. He is taking us up and onwards. We go from faith to faith, from grace to grace, from glory to glory. It's not about what was back there. It's where he's taking us into eternity. So don't, get, don't become a pillar of salt where you are right now. Choose to leave here unstuck, and it's only by the power of the Holy Spirit. I love it. It's not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. Some of you, man, you have just not even let the Holy Spirit come anywhere near you for a really long time. We're not going to make it without the Holy Ghost. We're not going to make it. But with Him, oh, we can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens us we can do all things our best we can so I want you to close your eyes wherever you are and if you go Chris, okay I want to get unstuck and this is between you and God this is but right where you are in whatever area it might be internal, external whatever it is it's between you and God but I just believe I am believing in this moment truly that people are going to get unstuck And move forward. And so, kind of as a sign of surrender to God for whatever your area might be, I want you just to raise your hands to him. And between you and him, you can tell him, for some people it's going to be 10 areas because you're awesome. High achievers, multiple being stuck. Some it's going to be one or two, and I mean, I'm playing, but it's not flippant. Some of you have gone through incredible grief and loss and pain. I'm not minimizing any of it. I'm not dismissing any of it. I'm not invalidating any of it. I'm just saying, by the power of the Holy Spirit in love and grace and mercy, and if you need help and counseling, then I want you to get all of that. But it's time to move on. So with your hands raised, Holy Spirit, we just stand before you in the name of Jesus, that name that is above every other name. Lord, your word says it's not by... Might nor by power, but by your Spirit. So in this moment, Holy Spirit, I pray that you do what only you can do. Literally, that your girls would become unstuck from that moment of pain, of loss, of grief, of disappointment, of discouragement, of disillusionment, Father, unstuck from the things that would keep them looking back. And that, Father, from today they will have the strength and courage to fix their eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Lord, let there be a divine realignment in our sight from looking back to looking forward. Father, let hearts shift, I pray, no longer longing for what. Was, but longing for what is to come in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray that addictions would be broken in the name of Jesus. Father, that there would become a a hunger for righteousness and holiness and a pursuit of you. Father, that we would be women that seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness. And then trust you for everything else. Let freedom reign, I pray, in Jesus' name. Freedom, Father. It's for freedom that Christ set us free. I pray that you would supernaturally heal hearts, Lord. Lord, your word says you bind up the brokenhearted. So, Lord, let healing flow through this house, I pray. Broken hearts, betrayed hearts, disappointed hearts discouraged hearts, disillusioned hearts. Lord, let let healing flow. Do in a moment, Father, what couldn't be done in 10 years, I pray, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let people leave here lighter, freer. Father, let despair be replaced with hope, I pray, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus.